kings. It is a reason to rejoice in the fact of the greatness of our God in whom we serve. I was listening to Brother James and I thought, man, as fired up as he is, he ought to just preach the sermon. He's ready to go. It is good to see you here, uh, both members and visitors alike. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Holy Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name and thank you so very much. For you are magnificent. You are wonderful. You are kind. You are gentle. You are generous. You are merciful. And you granted to us, Lord God, your tremendous grace. Thank you. Thank you for looking down on us and seeing and remembering that we're but dust. Understanding our greatest need is you. We cannot live life without you. Please help us to understand and to know that ourselves. Thank you for Jesus, your great son who died so willingly on that cruel cross of Calvary that we might live, that we might be saved, that we might have this opportunity to realize your truth and your grace. Continue to be with us, O God, please, if it be your will. And be with us in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please turn to Matthew uh, chapter... Actually, um, I don't know where I'm going now. I'm kind of out there right now. We're going to go to Job 14. We'll start there. Contentment. Con- contentment. This, this lesson this morning is, is really important. I mean, all lessons are important, but this lesson is really critical. Um, it's critically important for, for us to understand where we're going. It's where we're going because we're going to a passage of Scripture that, that is not easily understood uh, without understanding first contentment. One must understand contentment in order to, to really be that person that God uh, expects of us, that He wants us to be. And everywhere in the world, we, uh, we find people, they're searching for, for peace, uh, they're searching for contentment. And the advertisement world, they figure this out, right? And so they put these ads out there that, that say, you know, if you buy this, if you buy this, you're going to be happy. I mean, you want the ultimate of peace and happiness and contentment? Buy this product. Or if you just say this, utter these words, or if you go to this place on vacation, if you do this or do that, you are going to find peace, the peace and contentment that you're looking for. It's not true. And the sad reality is that instead of joy, most people feel restless and unhappy, even even dissatisfied. And in life, so many things can go wrong, right? I mean, just so many things. Just you know, it's, they're innumerable. The things that can go wrong today. Job says, Job fourteen and verse one, uh, that man who is uh, you know born of woman, you know, just short. His life is short lived and full of turmoil. Right? I mean, you know, Job is telling us this and, and he's talking and, and yet, and yet Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Job says that. Man who's born a woman is full of, yeah, I get it. His life is short lived and it's full of, yeah, it's full of turmoil, but, but I know that my Redeemer lives. Job was a righteous man, fearing God, turning away from evil and held fast his is integrity. Matthew 6, Jesus, Jesus says it, it like this. He says, you know, when you, in verse 34, uh, thinking of life, and, and he talks about, about trusting in him. And in verse 34, he says, therefore, 
Do not be anxious. Tomorrow, tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has its own stuff, right? Has its own trouble. Job says, man who's born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. And Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow, if it even comes, it's going to have its own issues. You've you got to live in the day. But living in the day, do I find this this measure of contentment in my day. Now, please turn to Matthew chapter 26 for just a moment. Um, and let's think about this word contentment. Contentment is a state of happiness, right? It's, it's in the mind. It's all, it's a mind thing. And oh, yeah, that's not on the slide. Um, so I know you're looking kind of puzzled. Um, uh, but it's, a, it's a mind thing. It's, it's like James brought out his attitude. It's, you know, we, do we run in life in fear? Do we, do we stand strong for Jesus? How do we handle the situations of life? How do we handle uh, our life in the face of danger? And in the face of danger and in trial and through tribulation, is God with me? Is God truly with me in the face of trial and danger? Is He there? And that's a question that we have to ask and think about within our own hearts and minds. Do you believe, do I believe, do we truly believe that in the face of turmoil, sickness, struggle, trials, tribulations, in despair, that God is there? Because where we're going in Hebrews chapter 13 with this idea of contentment is that God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we, we're going to get to that passage in, in another lesson coming up following this one. But is God really there? And then the idea of contentment, am I content in the state that I'm in until I can either do better and move on or die and go home and be with God? Am I content? Do I have satisfaction? Do I have within my mind, this measure of peace and happiness, knowing that God is with me wherever I go. So Jesus, Matthew 6, 26 rather, verse 36. Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. He went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as thou will. For Jesus so loved the world that he came and die. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. So Jesus loved the world so much that He came and died freely on a cruel cross. And in this passage, His His manliness is being challenged. And He's ever ever before Him remembering the love that he has for the Father and the love that he has for the world. But the question is, at this moment, in this moment of distress 
and despair did Jesus believe that God was with him. Matthew 27. They said this about Jesus Christ. Down in verse 41. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross, and we shall believe in him. He trusts in God. Let him deliver him if he takes pleasure in him. For he said, I am the son of God. It was evident that Jesus Christ trusted in God. All the time. Even on the cross. And I ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12 for just a moment because we look at the attitude then of Jesus Christ with the understanding of contentment and being content in this state. For this is the reason, Jesus says in Mark. This is the reason I came to save souls. To die on that cross of Calvary. And in verse 2, it says, of Hebrews 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy before him, set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Somewhere, somewhere in this, in this prayer, in the Garden of Gethsemane, at some point, Jesus was able to reconstruct his thinking back to what he's supposed to be. Remembering who he is and why he was here. And he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Basically, Father, I am content with my state of being. This morning, are you content? So turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and verse 6. This morning, are, are you content with your life? And so we're, we're going to look at this and we'll, we'll come back to this. And, and we, we really want to get, an, we want to gain an understanding of verse 5. Let your character be free from the love of money, uh, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? This idea of contentment. We love, I mean, the idea, oh, God will never leave us nor forsake us. But what does that really mean? Well, coming back now, first it starts with self, right? It starts with the attitude, the mind, the heart of letting your character be free from the love of money. Being content, being able to be satisfied where I am. Be content where you are in life, whether you're, whether we're here in America or we're off somewhere else in some mission field or we live somewhere else in the world, can I find that state of happiness in my mind knowing that God is with me and that no amount of money is going to bring me contentment? No amount of, no amount of material possessions are going to bring, bring me true happiness. There is no true happiness nor true contentment in the material. So Jesus tells us like this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, you know, the reason that, that we're so, uh, I guess, distraught often in our lives, and we're so worried is because we're always thinking about what? The material. 
that's what we're thinking about. I mean, think about it, right? We feed, you know, we want to feed ourselves so we can eat and we can live and be happy. And, and that's what we're thinking about. We get, sometimes we get stuck. We get caught up in the material. So we find that there is no contentment in our hearts because, well, you know, if I had a new car, that would really solve all my, if, oh, if I had that house, that one would be the, catch off. If I could go to this place just one time, I would say I'm full and fulfilled and li- and we find that no matter what we say in this life and in this world that nothing really brings us true happiness. How many gifts did you I mean your birthday last year and you know maybe a few years ago, the gift that you received, you still use it? <laughs> or is it in the corner somewhere? Right? You you watch your kids at Christmas time and they, they have all the presents and they're so excited. Next thing you know, they're over there playing with the box, right? And you go, hey, what about this? The, you know, the, oh, whatever it is, what it is, right? We cannot find true contentment in the material. We cannot find true contentment in money. But Satan has somehow deceived us into believing that as long as I have enough. Well, will there ever be enough? So, so there's a, a well, let me come to this, this millionaire. He, he says, his name is Bernard um, Barak. And they asked him, how much money does it take for a rich man to be satisfied? He answered, just a million more than he has. <laughs> just, it's like, well, wait a minute. Can you ever find happiness? Is, when, is it, when is enough ever really enough, right? So, so I'm not asking you the question because you may give me the answer and say, oh yeah, well enough is enough. But God says, no, I made you and I know you. In reality, people, we really are never going to have enough. Right? Not in our minds. We're never going to find that true satisfaction and true contentment in our hearts because we're human. And that's just the way we think. Right? Jesus says, verse 25, for this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. You ever seen Jesus' closet? He didn't have one. <laughs> right. Actually, most folks in the world don't have a closet. Right? Put clothes in. They have on what they're going to wear tomorrow and today. And Jesus says, let me ask you a question. Is life more than this? Well, we say yes. And then we look at our closets. Never get enough. That's why clothing stores do so well. And you notice this, and this is not to say anything about women, but you ever gone to this clothing store as a man and you want to find something? <laughs> got that little teeny department and then the women have the whole store. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, thank you. And the shoe section. Is not life more than that? I don't know. See, we really can't understand what it feels like, and what it means for Jesus to forever, always be with us. Unless we understand and learn first how to be content. In verse 26, he gives an example. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not worth much more than they? Yeah, the birds are a good example. They don't have storehouses. Every day, all day, they just live their lives and they seek food and God gives them food through the day and God sustains them through the day. And the next day they go and find food and God leads them and sustains them through the day. And then he concludes that thought with, are you not worth much more than they? If I'm with a bird and I help a bird on a regular and continual basis, don't you realize that I'm also in your life helping you? And then he goes on in verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. Turn to First Timothy chapter 6. Solomon, wait a minute, Solomon, yeah, Solomon, the wisest and richest man on the earth, did not clothe himself like a lily in the field. Can I find contentment where I am in my status? Can I find contentment in my status? You know, where I am, where I live with God, do I have? Can I truly find contentment? So, verse 9, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, with those who want to get rich, fall into temptation, a snare of many foolish and harmful desires, which plague men into ruin, or plunge men, rather, excuse me, into ruin and destruction. For those, those who just, who just strive after it, right? I just want to go, I just want to be rich! And that, and that's the main goal and ambition in life. They plunge themselves into destruction. Certainly moral decay or whatever it may be that's in their heart, the situation, the idea of the temptation. And notice that the temptation for this foolish man is a trap. It's a snare. They're ensnared. They're like they're, they're trapped and they can't get out of it. They begin in this amazing cycle of life that, that proves to be meaningless in the end. Kind of interesting. Right. Solomon gave us a lot of wisdom when you go back and read the book of Ecclesiastes on really how, how much vanity this, this world is full of. Right. Vanity of vanities. All is, all is vanity. You know, you know what Solomon says? You know, here's what happened, right? We're born, we live, and guess what happens next? And we die. So what's important is the relationship with God. Right. And in order to have that good, solid, strong relationship with God, contentment must be a part of our daily walk with Jesus. Can I find contentment in my heart? For the love of money, verse 10, it is the root of, of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many a pang. The problem of the heart. This idea of, of covetousness. Contentment and covetousness. Covetousness is, is defined... I guess if you wanted to give it a definition, it's kind of self-worship. It's the worship of self. You know, covetousness. It's, it's uh, you know, I want, I need, I, right? I, it's, it's kind of like about me. It's, it's I will feel um, complete if I just have one more pair of 
never mind. If I just, let me go, if I just have this, right, I will be complete. If I, if I just, if I get this job, I will be complete. And we find that our lives really are, they're incomplete, aren't they? Even, and if we, if we have that thing, that whatever that last thing is that we, that we have to have, or, or maybe I'll find this, this satisfaction in my life if, right, if, if this comes into my life and these things come to fruition, then I will find complete and utter satisfaction, and yet it, it really, it really never comes. You see, it's designed that way. Life is designed to where the only place that we're going to find true and utter satisfaction is where? In heaven. Right? In heaven. See, this is not heaven. And sometimes we can live our lives, let's turn to Joshua chapter 7, we can live our lives in such a way to where we become so covetous to where we don't desire heaven, rather we desire this to be our heaven. And someone said to me one day, a Christian, I, I don't want to uh, really, I mean, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to, I don't want to stay here because this became their heaven. Because they found that the things they're looking for, it's something they can continue to strive after more and more and more and more. And they're looking for peace and contentment. And you always feel like you're almost there. Isn't that amazing? The trap. You're almost there. It's snare. I'm almost there. No. No, we're not almost there. That's the trick. That's the trap. That's Satan's snare. So there was a ban on Jericho. Everyone heard it. It came from God. Everyone knew it. Everyone understood it. But even though God places a law in the hearts, in the hands of man, it doesn't mean that mankind will follow that law. Covetousness doesn't go away just because there's a law. And in in this land... A man named Achan, you're very familiar with Achan. For some reason, thought to himself, I just have to have it. Covetousness. He wasn't content. God is with us and God said only Jericho is under the ban. And after Jericho, the promised land is yours. But that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough, God, to have everything else. I just have to have this one. It doesn't matter. Everything else. I think about the Garden of Eden in Genesis, you know. You think about Adam and Eve, and the Bible talks about it being a beautiful garden and, and the rivers that flow through it, and there was good gold there and all the wonderful things about the Garden of Eden, but there was only one tree. And God said, you, you can have everything. I've given you all of the trees. Everything is yours. Only one of them belongs to me. Don't even remember to touch it unless you die. Why is it that everything is never enough? <laughs> Isn't that weird? How is that even possible? It's structurally, grammatically, does that even fit? Everything, everything, to have it all is never enough. So, God says the whole promise lands before you. It's yours. However, Jericho is under a ban. Achan, instead of finding uh, contentment in his heart, covetousness overruled 
it overruled the desire, the true desire, the true will of God. What God wanted man to understand is man has to have this level of self-control in life. In verse 19, Joshua comes and finally approaches him and says to Achan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me what you've done. Do not hide it from me. Achan's description. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw the spoil, a beautiful mantle from Shinar, or Shinar, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight, Then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. See, I came home and I said, family, look at this. Gold and silver and this beautiful mantle from Shinar and how beautiful it is. And don't tell anyone we have it. We're going to hide it under our tent. We need this. And if we have this, then when we get into promised land and the lands of Canaan, don't worry about it. We're going to be set for life. But aren't those things under a ban? Yeah, but God doesn't understand. <laughs> we got to have this. Turn to 1 Kings 21. If I could just... If I could just have a little more, Lord, if I could. Here's the king. Covetousness. The king of Israel. I think he's a grown man. I mean, he obviously is, but I don't know. He doesn't act like one. One day he's walking and he sees his beautiful vineyard. Now he's the king. He's got, he's got it all. He's the king. But for some reason, Naboth's vineyard just has one more vegetable <laughs> or something, right? There was something about Naboth's vineyard that he said, oh, if I had Naboth's vineyard, I would be just so content, right? Look at the attitude. Verse verse 1. Now, it came about after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria, and Ahaz spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is close beside my house, and I will give you a better vineyard than is in your place. If you like, I will give you the price of it in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid me that I should give you the inheritance of my father's. I just can't do this. It's my father's property. It means so much to us. We pass it down from generation to generation to generation. There's no amount of money you can offer me that's going to bring the price or the value. Neither do you have a place that you could exchange with me and, and will be comparable to this garden that I have. And so no, I, I sir, I, I cannot give this to you. But because of the covetous heart, Of the man. Look at his attitude in verse 4. 
So Ahab came into his house sullen and vexed because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite has spoken to him. For he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father's. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and ate no food, whined and cried and, you know, whatever, right? Because he couldn't have an extra garden because he coveted it. But you're the king. Don't you have enough? No, I don't. In fact, Not only do I not have enough, though I have a few wives, my name is David, king of Israel, I'm going to go and murder that woman's husband because I can. Because I just don't have enough. So when you read 1 Timothy chapter 6, and it talks about the fact that those who are striving after this idea of what is self-fulfillment, be careful that your heart is not carried off in such a way to where you find yourself in a very dangerous and peculiar situation in life, standing opposed to God. That, brother, is not where we want to be. That is where we should never, ever be. What was the problem in Israel? Jesus Christ was the problem. Remember they said, what shall we do with Jesus For if he continues like this, we'll lose our nation. We'll lose our nation. We're going to lose our power, our fame. We're going to lose it all. So what do we do? We execute the Savior of the world. How far is my heart willing to go in evil just to have that, you know, that one more thing That's going to bring me perfect peace and happiness and contentment. Brethren, this morning, I can encourage you from the Scriptures. You're not going to find it in this world. It's not meant to be found in this world. And next week, we're going to look at contentment one more time. And then we're going to get into Hebrews chapter 13. It's not meant to be here. It's in heaven. It's with God. And so our joy is supposed to be transferred from from this life, from this world. It's supposed to translate in our minds to where this place is not my home. I am just passing through. Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll close. We're just passing through this place, going on to another, a place that we can truly call home. Like Brother Lawrence brought out this morning, that it's amazing some small, tiny virus can bring an epidemic. That causes amazing tragedy in the whole world. Yeah. Good thing this world is not our home. Verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11. All these died in faith without receiving the promises But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they were seeking a country of their own. 
And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. How did these men live by faith? They realized that this world is not their home. They weren't striving to stay here forever. They were striving to leave here prepared and right in the mind of God to go to be with Him forevermore. They realized that they don't need a mansion on earth because they have one reserved for them in heaven. They realized that all the money in the world is not satisfying, nor will it truly sustain you, for they have the ruler of the whole entire universe who's on their side. They recognized the true reality of life, and that is this. We're born, we begin to count down the days, and then we leave this earth and we stand before a wonderful God, full of grace and mercy, but also a just God. And this morning, if your life is not right with our just God. We encourage you to make it right with God today. If you are not a child of God and you have not surrendered to Him in the waters of baptism, we invite you to surrender to God today. Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on His name. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Please come.